Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. If you love Ruth Jo Simon's Grace Laced, you're not going to want to miss the next step in the Grace Laced journey. Ruth's new book, Beholding and Becoming, offers wisdom and beauty in her stunning and beloved style, exploring 16 insightful themes with more than 850 pieces of original artwork. Order your copy of Beholding and Becoming wherever books are sold. Guys, welcome to today's show. It is episode number 262. And before we get to our guests, I just want to acknowledge that today is September 11th. And for many people in our country, this is a day that brings so much pain. And so we just want to say that we remember you and we're here with you. We remember what happened 18 years ago on 9-11. Today, my guest is Sarah May. Sarah's a podcaster. She's an author. She's a mama to three spunky kids, and she's a wife to a woodworker in Pennsylvania. Sarah and I sat down to talk about how we love others, even when it hurts. She talks about her story of learning to love her mom through the wounds from years of painful interaction, addiction, and hurt. Sarah has a new book releasing next week. It's called The Complicated Heart. It's a beautiful story about how she worked through these hurts and learned to love others in the midst of hurt. I highly recommend you check out her book. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It's called The Complicated Heart. Just a reminder, whenever we mention books or podcasts or any other products, we always link those over in our show notes. So if you want to go get her book, head over to jamieivy.com and you can find all that information. Friends, you know there are so many ways to learn about podcasts. I love sharing with you guys podcasts I'm listening to. I see what my other friends are listening to. But one of the ways that people find out about podcasts is right through iTunes, seeing the iTunes reviews. One of the best ways that you as a listener, if you love the show, can help others find the show is you can rate and review it and subscribe to it over on iTunes. I know there are many different places to listen to podcasts and many of you, might listen at Overcast or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. But I would love it if you listen to us over on iTunes, if you could go leave us a review and rate the podcast. We'll take five stars if you're willing to give them out. I want to thank Madeline Ann. She left a review just this month, and here's what she said. I'm just going to go ahead and address this review to Jamie in hopes that maybe she will see it. Well, side note, Madeline Ann, I'm reading it. Thank you so much for doing this show. I'm sure you know this, but it really does matter so much. I am 24, a new Christian, and this podcast has been so incredibly important to me. It has exposed me to people and ideas and ways of doing life that I kind of imagined, hoped existed, but I didn't have a real actionable idea of how to access. This podcast set so much in motion for me. I finally joined a church I love, joined a small group, left a string of bad relationships and self-sabotaging patterns, and most importantly, have craved more and more Jesus in my life. I am writing this with actual tears in my eyes. Thank you, Jamie, for the work that you do on this show. Madeline Ann, thank you so much for your kind words. What you said means so much to everyone that has a part in the happy hour. And so thank you, thank you. We hope that we can be that for so many people. Also, welcome to this happy hour community that you just found. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Sarah May. Sarah, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Thanks for coming to Austin from Pennsylvania. Yes, it's very hot. My face is melting. Is it hot in Pennsylvania? Yes, and we have humidity, but it's not like Texas humidity. Texas humidity is like, I understand why women wear their hair big. It's because they don't have a choice. It just goes big. It just goes big. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is super exciting for you and I to be sitting down because we've never met in person. <laughs> right. We've had many a conversations. Yes. Uh-huh. So we're in a Voxer group. Uh-huh. 
And if you're in a Voxer group, you know, there's a lot of conversations that happen, but this is our first time to like touch hands and hug. So great. You're going to touch my hand. We're, okay. There we, there we did it. We yeah. did it. That was weird, but that's okay. We d- you we're have really pretty nails, by the way. They're black. They look really well, good. Well, I paid to get them done. Well, you did a good job. Do you do your nails? No, I because I let them chip and get bad, and then they just look terrible for so long because mm-hmm. I guess I'm lazy about it. So usually I just don't do anything. Let me tell you a funny story about my nails. Okay. So I've been doing the podcast five and a half years. I've been speaking, I don't know, three to four years. Okay. So when I first started speaking, super nervous. I still get nervous. Do you get nervous? I have to pee about 20 times before I go on stage. I do too. And by the 20th uh-huh. time, nothing comes out. Exactly. Yeah, but, but you, you still just have to sit go, there right? and you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when I first started speaking, I would go get my nails done before. Mm. And so this was like, I don't know, four times a year. Yep. I'd go get my nails done because here's what I thought. If I bomb on stage, at least I'll look good. <laughs> right. So it's very spiritual. That's how I thought about shoes. If very I had cute shoes. Yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. I bomb, at least I had cute shoes. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So, and then it turned into now I just get them done every three weeks, you well, know. They look really good. It's my goal to be an adult and maybe have my nails done. Funny thing. I'm actually going to be, well, if I get approved, selling products on QVC. This is so Wait. random. I know. And is there like, QVC in Pennsylvania? Yes. It's like 45 minutes from my house. And I don't know how much I'm supposed to say, but there's a company that I write for that wants me to sell their products. Anyway, all to say. Who do you write for that wants you to sell their products? Day spring. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, got it, got it. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, you can have your nails done, like, because you're showing the for product. Sure. And I was like, excuse Yes. You're going to be on QVC. Like, you're going to turn your TV on at midnight, and I'm going to be on there. Maybe. If I get approved, I might bomb. What do you have to do to get—you have to try out? Yeah, so I go to a training. Okay. Um, uh, the 12th, so tomorrow <laughs> on the show. <laughs> yeah. And then they put me on camera as, like, a fake live situation. Like, I have to come with hair and makeup, the product, and sell it. And then they'll basically watch my demo tape and decide. So after this show airs, we'll be able to tell people if you made it or not. Yes. What was that movie about the woman who sold stuff on QVC? Okay, Joy. 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 Have you seen it? Yeah. It's such a good movie. It is a good movie. It actually made me want to like do more things. Like, did you want to develop a product or just do more no, things in life? No, I think it just made me feel like I could do more, but <laughs> I really can't. My capacity is actually pretty small. Speaking of Joy, okay. you had Joy Egrich yes. on your program a while ago. It's it's some people's favorite show ever. It is really good. Okay. And you said something on there and I was like, no, Jamie. Oh, no, what you did said, I say? She was talking about anxiety and mm-hmm. how she struggled with anxiety. And your answer to her was- <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Get a dog. And I was like- like, get a dog. Like, that would cause me so much dang anxiety. Are you kidding? And I think Joy said the same thing. Jamie, I have two puppies now. Do they bring you joy? Yes. I told you. In I fact, was right. I live in chaos, but I'm so happy. Let me tell you what. Dogs, I can come home, and Aaron, my husband's the same way. <laughs> I think I see, I, sometimes Aaron snuggles our dogs more, and I'm like, can I Can I get in there? Like, can can you hold me the way you're holding Marfa? My husband dog? says that to me yeah. because my I'm the favorite. Like, okay. my, my 85-pound lab, who's only a year old, loves me, <sighs> loves me the most. And I will hold him in bed. And my Don't husband's you feel like— so, They just—you uh-huh. come in, and they're so happy to yeah. see you. Yeah. They've actually never been mad at me. It's amazing. They've never I met been your disappointed dogs. in me. Oh, you saw my dogs. Mm-hmm. They've never been disappointed in me. Right. They've never been angry with me. Yeah. I think my dog's been disappointed. He doesn't like when I leave. Aww. I think I do disappoint him, but then he goes nuts when I'm home, so it makes yeah, it all they better. Get over it. They and get then over he forgets because I think their okay, brains so are like so Do you small. think that my advice is good? Yes. Yeah. I thought it was terrible. And now I'm like, wisdom. Mm-hmm. So if you really do have anxiety, and you feel sad and whatever else, get, get yourself some dogs. That's they'll get they you have, off your butt, too. It really is why they have therapy dogs. I yeah. mean, I, we really think one of our dogs can sense, like, when we're sad or something's oh. wrong. True story, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, how long have you had these dogs? Okay, so our uh, one year for our one, and then we just got another one that's four months. Okay, I will say this. Uh-huh. I love our dogs, and we'll always have dogs. We are dog people. Mm-hmm. We tried to do a spontaneous trip this summer, and yeah, then we can't. didn't get to do it. We're uh-huh. like, well, what will we do with our dogs? My, my husband's a little sad because we've been trying to plan a day trip to the beach. And that is the thing. I mean, I'm a homebody. I love my dogs. I love when I'm home with them. But the truth is you can't. You can't be spontaneous. And then if you want to be, you have to pay money to get somebody to watch your dogs. But that's not always a guarantee, I know. especially I know. like you said, spontaneously. Yeah. So we yeah. still haven't gone to the beach for a day trip. And like time How is close are you to the down. beach for a day trip? Uh, three hours. Okay. Yeah. That's about us too. We could get to the beach yeah. in three hours. Yeah. So, I bet mm-hmm. your beach is nicer than ours though. Uh, I don't think so. 
Uh, have you ever been to a Texas beach? Nope, I haven't. Okay, so, maybe. so I'm just going to go ahead and let you know yours okay, is nicer probably. than ours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm so glad you're here. And like I said, we have known each other for a while, but never met each other. And yeah. you have a book that comes out next week called The Complicated mm-hmm. Hearts. And um, the tagline is loving even when it hurts. And I have... Um, heard you talk about this book and yeah. um, I actually just got my copy this week. So I cannot wait to read your book. I'm so glad. And it's not because like <laughs> I know you and you're my friend. It's because of what is inside of this that I cannot mm. wait to open it up. Mm. Um, you, you've described this as just, it's like a memoir. It's like you're, you're yeah. retelling your story from ages, what, 14 to 36? It really or, does start at 14. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it opens essentially with me sitting in a bathtub, staring at this cheap pink daisy razor thinking like, I wonder if you can kill yourself with this plastic razor and me yelling out my teenage angst to my mom, like, I'm going to kill myself and and her saying, go ahead, I dare you. So that, that opens the story. So this is the childhood that you grew up with from 14 on when you decided mm-hmm. to move in with your mom. You know, I, we recently, we released a show in the summer uh, and it was a guest on the show who had some wounds from a mother relationship. Mm. And I've gotten a lot of um, messages on Instagram and emails and stuff that say, thank you for talking about this mother relationship because mother it's not wounds talked are about a lot. Thing. Dad wounds. wounds are always talked about. Yes. We don't really talk about mother wounds. Yeah. So mm. what sparked you to say, I want to talk about mother wounds? Because yeah. they're not talked about that often. Yeah. That's and I don't question. know if it's the the compl- well, complicated, the complicated, complicated relationship that, yeah. comes, that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But what made you say, I'm actually going to talk about something people aren't talking about? Yeah. Well, the biggest part of it, I think, was, you know, God had wove this story all of my life. I had seen a lot of redemption. But at the end of the day, um, my mom had passed away three years ago, 2016. And I was sitting on her deathbed with her. And I just said, um, like, I'm going to tell our story. I'm going to tell what God has done, like the hard and the good. And so it wasn't even that I was thinking I'm going to talk about mother wounds. It was, I just want to tell the story of what God has done. But when I started to share a little bit on social media here and there, like sharing parts of my story about my mom and our very complicated, tangled up, manipulative mind mess of a relationship, I got so many messages from Mm. women who were feeling the same kind of thing. Some, they couldn't really feel like they could process or face because their moms were alive and it's complicated. Did you feel that when your mom was alive? um, I did. Like I wouldn't have written this book if she was alive. That's what I was asking. Do you feel like there was kind of this like, for sure. Okay. Uh-huh. But surprisingly, I will talk to a lot of women who have wonderful Christian moms, but even in that, there's just can be dysfunction and it can be complicated and yeah. how do you process it and how do you deal with it? So that really, I think, emboldened me to want to talk more, especially too, I've noticed on Mother's Day when there's all these wonderful Mother's Day posts. And I think I wrote one time, I don't know if it was a year ago, two years ago, a couple of years, whatever it was. And I just wrote about like, hey, if you don't have a mom, like blah, blah, blah. And just like, you know, it was just telling my story and encouraging women. So many people were like, that's my story. Like, mm. that's me. And that's when you kind of know too, like not only is this the story that God wove in your life, but you're supposed to tell the story because others need to know that they're they're not alone and there is a way through. That is why we tell stories. That's why that's we tell exactly stories. Why we tell story. You know this. You told your story yeah, in your book, which was That's ooh. why we tell stories. That's why I always say people are like, I'm I'm scared to kind of be vulnerable. I'm scared mm-hmm. to show this stuff. And I'm like, well, actually, when we share our stories, is when we actually get to show people Jesus. That's exactly right. You talked about redemption, and I want to talk about that later, but I do mm-hmm. have a question. You said you told your mom you're gonna tell the story. Yeah. Was your mom you said it was on her deathbed, so she I don't wasn't know what she said. I, I don't ask. know what she heard, what she didn't hear. So that's more of like a for you. Uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But interestingly enough. Um, in the very beginning of the book. So in in my book, I share my mom's journals because how I wanted to honor her was give her a perspective. When did you find those journals? After she died. After she died. And boy, was that gutting. I'll tell you. you're going through her stuff. Oh, Jamie. Yeah, it was... It was just gutting is the only word to say. I think you need to answer this first real quick before we go into the story. Did you and your mom have a reconciled relationship at the end? Yes. Okay. I just wanted now, to- Now, it wasn't, you know, like tied up in some tidy, perfect bow. But you'd come a long way. <laughs> but we had come a long way. Was there redemption? And- there was some incredible redemption. Okay, good. Yeah. I like to know, kind of, it gives uh-huh. me a little like hope Absolutely. as you tell your story. But going back, you had said something about, did you, why, you know, like, oh, you told your mom you were going to tell the story. Well, the reason that was significant was in one of her journals that I'd found later, it says this, it said, I wish part of my purpose would be to write, to give something to others through my writing. God is just waiting for the right time for me to begin 
my new life. And the new life happened to be the one that she went with Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And so you read that and you thought, I am going to tell this story and I'm going to tell it with my mom's words as well. That's exactly right. Now, I sat with it for a year before writing it because, you know, grief was so fresh. Uh And I thought, I don't want to rush this. Like, I don't want this to be a, like, oh, I'm just going to spill it all out. Like, I really wanted to sit with it, process it, like, wait for the right timing. And so it's been three years. And um, I'm, in the most non-gross way, so proud of this story in this Mm. book. What did your mom die of? Cirrhosis of the liver. She was a vodka drinking, sun up to sundown alcoholic for 20 years. When you were living with her. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Mm-hmm. So take us back at 14. I know parts of the story is that your parents were divorced. Yep. And you decided, like a 14-year-old girl Mm -hmm. might want to do, is I want to go live with my mom. Yeah. So interestingly, my dad had custody of me, which is not normal. Just you or were there siblings? So it was just me. Okay. I have a sister with another dad. Uh And I have three brothers with a different, with my stepmom. Okay. Former stepmom. My family is very confusing. Um, (laughs) So... That was all normal to me. My parents were divorced for, I was a year old. So that wasn't like a weird, you know, like thing for me. But I had, I would visit my mom in the summers and we, I just thought she was awesome. Like I tell everybody I wanted to be just like her or Madonna. Like, you know, like that's what I wanted to be like. And um, I wasn't a Christian. My, you know, it wasn't anything like that. And yeah, at 14, I thought a girl should be with her mom. And my mom is awesome. Like everybody loves my mom. Right. Like she was fun and cool and would talk to you about anything. She did not have an edit at all. And when you're only with somebody for a short amount of time, like that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. When you live with them, it's not so cool. Uh So anyway, so at 14, 
I, and I had a real bad relationship or a difficult relationship with my stepmom. So that was also part of the reason I was like, I'm at it. I'm out of here. Yeah. So I move in with my mom. I roll up. I get introduced to her 20-year-old boyfriend. You know, and you, she's age. how old? She's okay. 40, you know, whatever. And he's living with her. And, and it's like, you know, I am here. I'm home. This is awesome. I can do whatever I want. I don't have a lot of rules. I can keep my room how I want. I don't even have to clean it if I don't want to clean it. Every you know? 14-year-old girl's dream. Like, it really was yeah. a dream. Like, I could just do what I wanted. Yeah. It was awesome. And let me just get some context yeah. here. Yeah. Neither one of your parents are believers? Right. You did not grow up in a Christian home. I didn't. Now, my stepmom was Catholic, so okay. I would go to the Catholic church with her, but mm-hmm. it didn't, I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't do anything. You don't have that foundation. I didn't have the foundation. Okay, gotcha. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I move in. Now, my mom had always talked about Jesus, like kind, like kind of. I mean, she would just be like, I don't even remember. I just remember somewhere in my hazy brain, like she believed in Jesus, but like she didn't act like, you wouldn't know it. Right. You'd never know it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah. So after, I don't know, pretty quickly after moving in, my mom wasn't the way she used to be. She was real um, emotionally and verbally abusive. Just cruel, like just Mm. cruel. Like she'd laugh at you, mock you, tell you, you know, she'd say I was ugly if I smiled or just, she just like, um, was just mean. Mm. And it was weird for me. And then I started to connect it. Like, oh, maybe it's because, like, I'm paying attention. And I'd always seen my mom, like, drink beer or something, but never really, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of, like, alcoholism. But the more I saw her drink, I mean, she was, you know, like, pouring bottles in the morning of, you know, like, yeah. vodka and whiskey. And her and her boyfriend would just, like, drink. And she was a functioning alcoholic, though. Like, she could go to work. I mean, she always had a job. It wasn't mm-hmm. like she was passed out on the floor all right. day. So it was, she had a pretty incredible tolerance. Yeah. Um, but she just, having the personality that she did, she didn't really have an edit. And then you drink and you don't have an edit. And it's like— You took a lot of that heat. took a lot of the heat from that. And my sister, who was younger than me, she learned how to, like, turn it off. Like, just walk away, not let it affect her. But I couldn't do that. I was real sensitive. And I always wanted to be, like, trying to make things right, trying to explain Mm -hmm. myself to my mom. So anyway, so one day I decide—I'm watching some show. It couldn't have been Dr. Phil probably back then, but something like that. Right. And there's, like, an intervention, and everything's tied up, and the person wants to get help. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'll do. I will just tell my mom, like, mom, you're an alcoholic. And then she's going to be like, thank you for telling me. I've been waiting for somebody to, like— It's probably Phil Donahue, by the way. It was probably. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. And I'm like super naive and I don't know that things don't work like on TV. And so, um, you know, I, I go out there and she's got her drink and her dog and her cigarette. And, and I tell her in so many words, like, um, like, mom, when you drink, you get really, really mean. And, and sometimes there was physical stuff too. Um, and she kind of just rolled her eyes, you know? And then I, and I was like, no, mom, like you're an alcoholic, I think. And she just started to laugh. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm not communicating well. You know, like like this is a big deal, but she's acting like it's not a big deal. And so I'm like, no, mom, like, I don't think you understand, you know, and I'm trying to like, you know. How else can I say this? How else can I say this? And finally, like, I'm getting angry. Like at this point, I'm like, why are you laughing? Like you are an alcoholic and you're actually also a big fat jerk. Probably use different words and I probably didn't say it, but I was thinking it. Yeah. And finally, I'm thinking like, ugh. And so I go, I don't even love you. Like, this is how mean you are. Like, I don't even love you anymore. And literally just laughing, laughing, laughing. Well, you can imagine the rage. Mm-hmm. It's like building inside because I'm basically not worth being taken seriously. And so that was really when I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is who she is and I'm not going to get anything from her. I mean, I remember trying to sit with her on the couch one time and cuddle up next to her and she was like, ew, are you a lesbian? Like, get away from me. Mm. Like, not even, I couldn't even get that affection Mm -hmm. like to sit close to her on a couch. I mean, that's how many like issues she had. And so I did what I think um, I only just knew how to do to receive affection and love. And I got a boyfriend and found it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a boyfriend whose mom was addicted to crack and the dad wasn't in the picture. And y'all could do whatever you wanted. We could do whatever we wanted. And we did. We spent Mm -hmm. all of our time together, um, you know, ended up getting pregnant at 16, um, having an abortion three months after that. So my mom checked out of that whole situation. Did your mom know? She knew, uh, but she... Could, she didn't know how to handle it. And I found out later she'd had two abortions that she'd never dealt with. So she just didn't even know like how to respond. I mean, she literally checked out of the situation. Did she know about the pregnancy before the abortion or just after? 
Uh, before. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, I'm going to keep my baby. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm going to get a trailer. Yeah. And I'm going to marry my boyfriend. And what did she say? He was 15. She just didn't say anything. Like, I'm not kidding you. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like there's no she, There was no advice. There nothing, was no yes, no, no. Nothing. Yeah. Literally, she didn't even talk about it. Like, she wouldn't even, like, nothing. Literally nothing. So what, who decided to get an abortion? So... Right at this time, I actually went back because I would go back to my dad's mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. So she was in Georgia. I'd go back to Pennsylvania in the summers. And that was the time that I went back. And I became like, you know, n- like nobody would talk. Like my family wouldn't talk to me. Everybody was mad at me. My grandmother wanted me to have an abortion. Um, my dad, I think, just didn't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, he was a great dad, but I think he just didn't even know how yeah. to handle it. Yeah. You know, you can't really talk about it. You're 16. And so just like super alone. And then on top of that, it was so sick. Like like throwing up uh-huh. morning, noon, night. And you're 16. And I'm 16. And yeah. so I'm like, I'm so skinny. Like I'm losing all this weight, puking all day. I'm so sick of being alone. Nobody's touching me. No love, no affection. And finally, I was three months along and I was just over it. And I um, had another grandmother come and basically like put her arms around me and say like, why don't you just have the abortion? Like then you can go to prom and have a good life. And at that point, I hadn't been touched. Nobody had asked me how I felt that I was like, fine, like Mm. whatever, like let's do it. Yeah. So, um, so I had the abortion and my name was changed. I had a prominent family. So they like changed my name. They took me to the, to a hospital, put me under completely because I was too fidgety. Like, And I woke up in my grandmother's condominium because my stepmom was Catholic, very pro-life, didn't um, want anything to do with me after that. And we never talked about it. So it just became this. It just this, went under it the, just went under. We don't yeah. talk. So so then, no, so I have this rage from my mom that's mm-hmm. confusing. Yeah. Okay. I hate myself uh-huh. because... Um, I learned this word not long ago, gaslighting. And that's what my mom did to me. Where basically like, you never know what is up and what is down, what is true, what yeah. is not. So for you're example- You're so confused. It's like, I say this example, if somebody punches you in the face and you're bleeding, uh-huh. and then you say like, why did you punch me? The person's like, I didn't punch, I didn't you. punch you. You ran into my fist. Uh-huh. And they're so convincing that, that you, you end up walking it. away thinking, I'm such an idiot. Yes. Like, I'm so stupid that I did that. And that's that what I it was ran like with my into mom. her fist. Exactly. Yeah. So I had this- um, like rage, I had this confusion and utter self-hatred. And now I have this like, like numbing deep something that I can't put words to because I can't feel or think about it. So all of these things are happening simultaneously. Now, there was a light in the dark during this time. I would like to know because this uh-huh. feels very, very- I know, I know. But God, you know, here's the thing with all of us is that he, when we're in the pit, And we don't always know he's there, but he's sitting there with us, just waiting to guide us out of it. And so I can literally go back to times in my life where he was in that pit with me, but I just didn't know it. So like when I was nine years old, my sister was kidnapped um, by her dad and we didn't know where she was. My mom had dropped her off for a visitation. He never brought her back. I prayed every night to this God that I did not know Mm. that we would find her. And like six months later, we did. And so that cemented in my little girl heart, like there's a God. There's a God. And then this other light, you know, during all this stuff happening and uncle came to visit and gave me, um, let me listen to this Christian cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know there was Christian music. Like I knew there were hymns, but I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm listening to this man sing about God and this Jesus that I don't know. And I am bawling my eyes out and praying to God, like, God, I don't know what this is. As a little girl. No, this was when I was living with my mom okay. and uncle came to visit. Yeah. yeah. So like a light in the pit. And I'm just crying and saying like, God, I want this. Like, I don't know what this is, but I want it. So I feel like God was always there wooing me. And um, finally, you know, have the abortion, move back with my mom. I don't even, my mom and I at this point, we don't even like talk. Like the, it's basically severed relationship. Um, finally break up with that boyfriend, which is really the only reason I stayed three years. And I'm like, peace out. Like I am out of this town. I don't want to be the trailer girl because I'd end up getting a trailer with this boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You did? Oh my gosh. I have this whole other life. I got a trailer with the boyfriend. His sister, I remember coming home from school early one day, going into our trailer and I wait. Time out. You're in high school. Yeah, and in you high and this school. boy are living together in your own trailer. Yeah, like I okay. think I would go. So he lived there. I like mm-hmm. like paid. Well, the rent was so cheap. My grandmother would send me like hundred bucks a month, and I think I put it towards this trailer. Yeah, and so and your mom doesn't care. No, like I would go back to our house at night to spend the night, and then sometimes I would stay. It just, gotcha. it yeah, just yeah. didn't really matter. I don't think she paid attention. Yeah. It was kind of like whatever. So anyway, so it was our trailer, and so I 
one day I went to this trailer, I opened the door and there is this naked couple. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just like shut the door. And then I walked to the back room, our bedroom, and I opened the door and another naked couple. And I was like, oh my word. I call my boyfriend. I'm like, what is happening? His sister is prostituting herself in our trailer during the days while we're at school. I mean, this is like so dirty. Like this is like, oh, you can see why I was like, I I, I need a new life. (laughs) And I had the privilege, honestly, to get one because my dad back in Pennsylvania. He said, you can come back and live with me. Oh, he'd been begging me for years to come back anyway. Mm -hmm. But I just never thought I really could because I had the boyfriend. Now, what's really sad is my sister never had that opportunity. And so what I learned later is she always felt like I abandoned her. Uh, Which breaks my heart, like to say it. So are you you and your sister close today? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're living this life. You're looking around. All of a sudden you're going, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. I need to know, you go back to live with your dad. Mm -hmm. I need to know where you meet Jesus. Okay. Great question. So we know he'd been wooing us. So my heart was primed. Like I definitely believed in a God. I just didn't know God. So I I think I have to say this first. So I'd only ever been to a Catholic church, right? When I was little, like with my stepmom, mom, right? Mm-hmm. So the same uncle who'd given me a cassette tape took us to a church. And I remember walking up to the church and being like, this doesn't look like the church I've been in. Mm-hmm. And this really nice black man, he opens the door, he has this big smile on his face. And we walk in. I mean, the, the whole church, it's so diverse. And I am and I live in a place at this time, like this really small podunk town. No, 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 in Georgia, it was, but it was so racist. Like there okay. was like- Division. I mean, I was called an end lover all the time. Mm-hmm. Like just, it was bad. So anyway, so I walk in and hear like white people and black people are like have, like together yeah. <laughs> and it's good. And they're clapping and they're singing and they're smiling. And I was like, what is this? This is not church. And I remember having this thought of the spirit is here. And like why I would have that thought, I have no idea. you didn't know what that no, meant. No, yeah. but I did. It was like there was joy. And I remember- listening to the pastor and thinking like, I understand this. Like, I get this. So there was another piece of the wooing, but then, you know, my uncle left and that was that and blah, blah, blah. So I moved back to Pennsylvania and um, all the cool kids on Wednesday nights would go to this thing called Young Life. Oh, Young Life. Young Life. So of course I went because I want to get out with everybody, right? And, you know, here is where I start to hear the gospel. I start to hear how Jesus died for my sins. And I'm kind of like piecing it together, like this Jesus person, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, okay, this is God's son, but he's also God. And I'm just like trying to piece it together. There was this moment where I think Young Life, they'd given me like a New Testament. And I'm like reading it like crazy. Like I can't get enough. I'm like highlighting it. Like, and at the time I was listening to, do you remember Dr. Laura Schlesinger? Uh, Do you know who this is? No. Oh, my word. Okay, well, she was a very controversial radio host. Dr. Laura is how she went by. Laura. Okay. You got to look this up. Is it about sex? No. No, no, no. That's Dr. Ruth. That's Dr. Ruth. (laughs) No, Dr. Laura was all about like, um, she was so black and white about every issue. Like just everything's super black and white. But anyway, she was Jewish and she would call herself a serious Jew. Okay. And so when I became a Christian, like when I start reading the Bible, I'm like, I'm a serious Christian. Uh-huh. And like, I was that obnoxious Jesus girl that went around and was like telling everybody about Jesus. Like in college, I would go into chat rooms and I was like, the locusts are coming. You need to believe. <laughs> I mean, I was so terrible. But anyway, so I go to this retreat. I still, so I'm learning about God. I hadn't, I don't think he'd really entered my heart yet. So I'm learning, I'm reading the Bible. I'm like wanting more of it. I'm calling myself a Christian. Like I'm totally loving this Jesus guy, but I don't totally, he's not right. infiltrated my yeah. heart yet. I go to this retreat and there's this man, the speaker, and he says, what would you do if Jesus walked in the room right now? And I thought I would hide. Mm. Like he would not want to see me. Nobody had to tell me I was a sinner. I mean, I knew. Yeah. Like, I knew all my junk. Mm-hmm. I had so much shame. And I thought he wouldn't, I would go hide. And it was during that retreat where I learned that, like, Jesus knows everything I've done, everything I'm doing now, and everything I'm going to do. And he loves me anyway. And he's walking with me through my sin. And that was the game changer. Mm. How old were you then? 19. In college. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the real, I mean, that was it. 
I was his. I couldn't not believe even if I wanted to. Yeah. I remember having a few years, not more than a few years, probably 10 years ago, a little bit of a crisis of faith because I um, really love science and I was reading all these you know, sciencey things and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I went down this whole road where I was doubting and confused and talking to the pastor. And I just remember coming to this moment with the Lord where I thought, I can't not, it would be like slicing my wrists open mm. and bleeding me dry. Like he's everything. Like he's the blood in me. He's my life blood. Like he's everything. Like I couldn't, even if I wanted to. And I remember the Lord just teaching me like, Sarah, you're going to have to settle it in your heart that I am good because mm. you're never going to have all the answers on this earth. And that changed everything for me too when I went through that um, because I realized like he's in, like you, I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. could not actually do it. Mm-hmm. And now when I come across things, I'm like, it's settled. It's done. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I want to take a small moment to thank our sponsors for today's show because they make the happy hour possible. Today's show is brought to you by Beholding and Becoming. Every day is an opportunity to be shaped and formed by what moves your heart, drives your thoughts, and captures your gaze. Is it any wonder then that what you behold matters in your day-to-day? Author, artist, and creator of Grace Laced, Ruth Jo Simons invites you on a new journey in her book, Beholding and Becoming. With more than 850 pieces of original art, Ruth offers wisdom and beauty exploring 16 themes in her stunning and beloved style. Become what you behold when you set your heart and mind on Christ and His redemption story right in the middle of your daily life. Not just on Sunday, not just on holidays, and not just when extraordinarily hard or wonderful things happen, but today. If you love Ruth Jo Simon's Grace Lace, then you're not gonna wanna miss the next step in the Grace Lace journey. Order your copy of Beholding and Becoming wherever books are sold and visit Ruth online at ruthjoesimons.com. That's Ruth, C-H-O-U, Simons.com. And for the holidays, consider tucking a copy away for a friend. Beholding and Becoming will make the perfect gift. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about Ruth, she was on The Happy Hour last year, episode number 194. Go check that out as well. I also want to thank today's sponsor, Greenlight. Greenlight Card helps teach kids how to be smart with money with a debit card for kids that parents manage with a handy app. Greenlight is an easy solution to transfer money to your kids without having to search for an ATM to take out cash. Gosh, we've all been there, haven't we? Greenlight also offers parents the ability to decide the exact stores where their kids can spend, the opportunity to craft customized chore lists, and an automated allowance function. Greenlight believes that kids learn through doing. That's why the Greenlight app teaches lessons in trade-off decisions and money management skills that children will use as adults. The kids' version of the Greenlight app encourages them to monitor balances, set saving goals, and track their progress. Teaching our kids about money management is important in the Ivy household. We all contribute to normal family needs, but when my kids are willing to go above and beyond the expected, we're happy to pay them for their efforts. Just thinking about having the ability to transfer money over to their individual accounts sounds so dreamy. Also, for them to be able to check their accounts and make plans for their future giving, saving, and purchasing, I love the idea of what Greenlight is doing. Join Greenlight today at greenlightcard.com slash happy hour. That's greenlightcard.com slash happy hour. Today's show is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a challenge. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experiences and invites them to apply to your job. So you get quality candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So you become a Mm -hmm. a believer at 19. Jesus is wrecking your world, changing your life. You're dealing with shame. Yep. 
what does it look like going forward with you and your mom? Because mm-hmm. you have this reckless relationship that has never really been cemented as a good mother-daughter relationship. No, and I mean, ever. I hated her. Yeah. So you now hate her is how I you're feeling her. now. Yes. So now you're becoming a Christian. Right. Uh, and Jesus does not teach about hate. Right. He Jesus teaches is about all, love. You have to love. And I'm like, but I hate her. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, then love your enemies. And I'm like, mm. So how do you reconcile that relationship mm-hmm. with your mom? Right. And now being someone who wants to look more like Jesus. Right. So very clearly, and I don't think this is for everybody depending on the relationship. So please don't take this as a blanket statement. But God was telling me to stay in relationship and to forgive her and to love her. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. I forgive her. But, you know, like— Does your mom know that you're a Christian now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it was real obnoxious okay. about it. Um, <laughs> and That's you always know, the best way to be. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Pointing out everybody's sin. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. That's always fun. <laughs> you know. Um, but I did know that God was telling me to love and forgive her. So— um, I was like, well, then, Lord, you're going to have to teach me, <laughs> like, how to do that. And he did. I mean, that was—this is the book. Like, so it's all the stories, of course, that are crazy. Um, but also, what does it look like practically? Like, how do you forgive when the wound is still open? Like, how do you, you know, know how to stay and what to do? And so one of the biggest things was—there um, were so many things that God did. A big one, though, I learned was that I had to begin to deal with my own pain, and if I didn't deal with my own grief and my own hidden pain, then there was no way I was going to be able to be free enough mm. to love and forgive. So you were having to separate, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. separate what your mom did to you a little bit and to deal with your pain that you were experiencing outside of your mom or was okay. it all your mom included in everything? Yeah. So here's the thing. I wasn't living with my mom because I was back in Pennsylvania going mm-hmm. to college. So, so we had an actual physical separation that was really helpful, but we would still talk on the phone and stuff. So I would say this, there was, there was several things. Um, a big one was I had to learn how to mourn the loss of a mom. Like okay. I couldn't love and forgive her if I expected her to act Be like a, a mother to me. Yeah. Right. Because the reality is she wasn't. When you were younger, were you always waiting for her to be that? Oh my gosh. And so yeah. now you're having to say she's not and she never will be and she never was. Yeah. Almost like you got to own this truth for what it is. This is what happened. I was angry, angry, angry. Hated her, hated her, hated her. Would still try and go on trips with her. It always ended in a big fight and blow up. And I'd have to leave early. Time. Right. Thought it would be different this time because I'm a Christian. I'm going to be loving towards her. It didn't matter. It always fell apart. And then the weirdest thing is what broke me. It was um, I didn't get a Christmas card in the mail from her. Not a Christmas card, excuse me, a birthday card, birthday card. And for whatever reason, that opened the floodgates of just deep sadness. And I, and I remember um, getting in touch with a counselor and um, saying like, I'm actually not just mad, like I'm really, really sad. And tell me it's gonna get better and tell me she's gonna be a mom to me. And that's when she was like, no, Sarah, you have to mourn her as though she died Mm. because you don't have a mother. And mourning is the process of facing reality and letting go of your expectations. So I had to literally let her go, let that expectation go that she was going to be a mother to me. And that was a huge step towards forgiving and loving her because then I was able to just see her as a human made in the image of God who God was telling me to love without expecting anything from her You had to change your expectations for— I had to drop my expectations. What's her name? Susan. So you had to change from like mom to this is Susan. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So that was just one of the things. God did several things. Um, You have to learn how to deal with your own stuff. I had so many lies. I was so messed up. I had zero confidence. I had no idea what was up or what was down because of our relationship. Um, So I had to get a lot of help there. I had to learn how to deal with the lies that I had that I believed for so long. Um, And the more I dealt with my lies, the more I began to see the truth the more I began to see that only God has the authority to tell me who I am and my worth comes from Him alone, again, then you're able to be okay with the criticism. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but when my mom would be like, you know, why aren't you talking to me? Or like, why this or why that? Or blah, blah, blah. I could just be okay with some of that. Mm. I could learn how to just be like, you know what? It's okay. She's not acting like a mom. I don't expect her to be a mom. Like, I'm going to just Susan. ignore this. Like, let it go. Like, walk away, set boundaries, which is the other thing I learned how to do. I had to learn how to set boundaries. Yeah. 
And I couldn't do it had I not taken, um, a, I remember going and seeing her one time visiting and I had taken a boyfriend with me and I attacked him. Like I was so angry at my mom and I didn't know how to take it out with her that I physically like was like punching this guy. And then I just like fell on the floor, bawling my eyes out. And I remember thinking like, I have got to get help mm. because I am so angry that I just physically attacked this other person yeah. because he wasn't reacting how I wanted him to. Yeah. And so I wrote my mom this letter and the letter's actually in the book. It's very immature, but whatever. And I was like, basically like, mom, I need to get away for a while. I cannot talk to you. And I took like six months to a year off from even talking to her because I knew that if I didn't get emotionally and spiritually healthy, I was not going to be able to stay in a relationship for with sure. her. Yeah. So I, I really had to, and I would say that to anybody who's in a tangled up relationship, like if you don't know what's true and what's not true and you're confused about the whole thing, like I know the other person's going to be really upset at you, but it's worth that season of them being upset because you got to get clear yeah. if you're going to walk forward. I remember we would do one of the lessons when I used to volunteer in the jail with the girls. One of the lessons we would talk about was um, mm. uh, unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And a lot of them were dealing with unhealthy relationships within their own family. Yep. And so the hardest thing to talk through was how are you going to not see uh, your mom, your sister, your right. dad, your grandmother for the next year so that right. you can get healthy. Yeah. And that's difficult. I mean, I have another friend who, when she, um, she's an alcoholic and when she, she's been sober for 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. praise God. And when she got sober, yeah. she had to cut off some relationships from her family. Yeah. Right. Because they were all heavy drinkers. Yep. And she's like, I can't do this right yep. now. You mentioned somewhere about having to discover your lies. Yeah. That you had these core lies of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And even if someone's listening and they're not walking through this scenario that you're describing with your relationship that you had with your mom. Right. We all have lies. That's what I'm going to say. We all, all just fill in the blank. There's anything that we could put there. Yeah. How did you discover those? And what do you say to people? Like, how do we discover those lies in our yeah, life? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So here's how you discover it. First of all, if you are blowing up at something, like you get like ragey immediately or really angry, or you get real anxious about something, like real fearful, Um, or you're depressed. And I'm not talking about a chemical depression, but like a situational depression. Mm -hmm. Those are like the red lights on a dashboard of your car saying like, hey, something is maybe going on here. So Mm -hmm. you need to look at that. So for me, I mean, I was ragey, (laughs) but I was particularly ragey when somebody wouldn't take me seriously (laughs) because, you know, my mom would never take me seriously. And so I interpreted that to mean that I was not worthy of being taken seriously. And if I wasn't worthy of being taken seriously, then really I wasn't worthy of love. Mm. Because if you don't take me seriously, you're saying I'm not worth loving. And so what we do, and we, every one of us has lies because it's not a perfect world. So as children, we are excellent observers of our world, right? Like we can observe something happening. I observed that my mom didn't take me seriously. I observed that she was an alcoholic. The problem is we're often terrible interpreters. We make conclusions based on what, what we have we, observed uh-huh. that's usually quite inaccurate. Um, and so with my mom, instead of concluding that like my mom was doing something she shouldn't have she's done. She's an she's not treating me right. Exactly. I interpreted that to mean um, I am not loved. Mm-hmm. I am not good enough to be loved. I must not be smart. If, if I could be smarter and better, then she'd take me seriously. If I could just explain myself better, she'd mm-hmm. take me seriously. So- what happens is then we make demands on people. So subconsciously, I demanded that people see me as smart and, and um, that they take me seriously because I'm smart enough to be taken seriously. I'm good enough to be taken seriously. And if you didn't, like if you dismissed me or I caught or you laughed at me about anything at all, ooh, that sent me off. It either sent me a- like angry, like I'm going to cut you with all my words now because you just hurt me or into like a serious like, self-hatred mm-hmm. of like, why am I so dumb? Why am I so dumb? Why am I so dumb? Because I'm finding my identity in that I have to be smart and be taken seriously. So we want to be able to replace the lies that we have with the truth. Right. And here's the awesome thing is that when we recognize our core lies, that confronts us with the gospel, mm. with the good news that Jesus died for all of our sins, for all of these things, and our worth is only found in Him. We're loved and secure. It's okay if somebody doesn't take us seriously. I was never, you know, I don't even have to be good enough. I'm good enough for Jesus. I don't have to be good enough for anybody else. Like, it doesn't matter. And all, once you get free of these things and you become more secure and like, like, no, like Jesus says this about me, you know, you can say what you want about me. Mm 
I'm not responsible for how you respond to me. Like, I know who I am in Christ. You're going to be okay. We all have to learn to be a little bit more okay with people not liking us, with people criticizing us, with people hitting our lies and going, you know what? That's just a lie. It's okay. Mm. It's not the truth of what Jesus says about me. So I would imagine what you just summed up was mm-hmm. years of work. For years you. of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It started though, honestly, it started with one woman. I come, me going into her home in college and being like, I'm such a mess, I hate myself, blah, blah, blah. Why am I such an emotional wreck? And her literally taking one piece of paper and writing the words like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not fill in the blank enough, whatever your thing is, okay? And her going, do any of these hit you? And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. we're circling them. And then she makes another list that's like, I must be smart. I must be pretty. I must be in control. I must be fill in the blank. And all of a sudden, like, the revelation is coming. You know, you're like, right. oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And she's like, these are lies you're believing because you want to be, God has made us thinkers. So we interpret things in our world. Um, and you, we all want love and security, every one of us. Um, but we can't get it from these lies. Like they're not true. They're not real. Um, and they impact the world around us. And yeah. here's the thing, if you have kids or you mentor young women or anybody, if you don't, you need to deal with your lies and your junk because otherwise you are going to put it on your children. Yep. Like we are, we're all gonna fail in mm-hmm. some ways with oh, our yeah, kids. For we're sure. all gonna mess up, but you can fail less <laughs> yeah. and mess up less if you deal with your lies. Mm. Okay, so you're growing, you're dealing, you're working yes. with. Tell me about when you felt, is there a moment, is there a time when you felt, A, I forgive my mom or mm-hmm. we're reconciled or mm-hmm. be, being able, because you, you mentioned, you know, you're at her deathbed. You right, guys had right, some right. form of relationship. Yep, yep. When did that switch? Was it when you got less, less self-righteous and you were able to deal with that? What does that look like for you? What did that look like for you? So I had made the decision to stay in relationship, but I made the decision to do it in sort of a... Um, standoffish way. Like, I will be kind to her. I will love her. And I will let her comments slip off my back or just walk away. You know what I mean? So I'll visit her for short amounts of time. I'll stay in a hotel. Like, I'll set all these boundaries. And then one day, I'm pregnant with my third child, and I'm at home, and I get a phone call. And um, the person on the other line says, uh, "You, your mom is in the hospital. She has stage four cirrhosis of the liver and you need to come. She has less than a month to live. You need to come and get her affairs in order and say your goodbyes. Who was this person that called you? So this was somebody from the hospital, a hospital. Had she written down your name as like- I guess she must have, yeah. So I'm like, what? You didn't even know. So I say, can I talk to my mom? And they're like, yeah. So my mom gets on the phone and I was like, mom, like what happened? And she said- God told me to stop drinking. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what now? Yeah. And she said, I was making my vodka uh, in the morning, like I do every morning. And she said, I heard a voice tell me, put that down. You don't even want it. And she said, and I poured it down the drain. And she goes, and I believe that it was God. And she goes, and I think had I taken that drink, I would have dropped dead. She goes, um, and so then she went through detox for like two days on her own, which you don't do after drinking for 20 years Mm -hmm. because that can kill you. Um, And she said she would see like people laughing at her out the window and like rain in her hallway, like major hallucinations. In fact, I think I found some of her journals when she was hallucinating because none of them make any sense. Yeah. Um, So that's what I'm assuming it was from. And so, um, and then she passed out and somebody happened to find her um, and took her to the hospital and then they tell her she's going to die. So I'm, two things are happening. One, I'm like, my impossible prayer has been that my mom would stop drinking. Hmm. Like impossible. I had given that up. Like yeah, yeah. it wasn't even like a hope. It right. was just like, hey God, you know the impossible prayer. Like tell just saying. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really actually like waiting for it or anything. So then it happens. She stops drinking she tells her God told her to, because I've also been praying that she would have a relationship with the Lord because she'd always talked about Jesus, but like, yeah. Eh. Um, and now she's going to die. And so I'm like, what the heck? Like it's answered, praise. But now, but now she's going to die. So I go down there to say my goodbyes, help her get her affairs in order. She's still like a very difficult person and like literally was like, just die. I mean, like in my mind, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, just die, which yeah. is a terrible thing to say. I know that. But it was still just really yeah. awful. 
And um, she doesn't die that month. And then another month goes by. And I tell my husband, I said, I don't think we should, I don't think she should die alone. Like she lived alone in this trailer. And I was like, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think we should do that. And we just bought a house and it had a basement. You about to tell me that you brought your mom home to live with you. Listen, I was going to use this room for a homeschool room. And I felt like the Lord was like, move her in with you. (gasps) My husband was like, do you know what you're saying? Yeah. And I was like, nope, but I feel like we're supposed to do it. So we move my mother in with me. My my husband got shingles the next week. Shingles, which old people get. Oh, my husband's had it. Has he? Well, you know then. You have to be worst under immense stress then to get the, shingles. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. it's the worst thing he's ever That's experienced. the only time a young person will get it is if it's yep. right. Mm-hmm. And so he got shingles. <laughs> so that will give you a clue. So she moves in with us. She's in hospice care. Like we have a nurse come and take care of her. But I really just felt convicted. Like she should not die alone. So time is going by where you know, we're having relationships. She's not drinking. It's not perfect, but there's some good things in it. And months are going by and she's still alive. And then finally one day she starts acting really weird and we take her actually into in-house hospice thinking like, okay, this is it. She's going to die because you don't go into in-house hospice unless you're going to die. I go out to get something. I come back. She's not in her bed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did she die when I wasn't here? And then I noticed that the door to her room is open and she's outside smoking a cigarette, like on the patio. And I was like, oh my word, like she doesn't die. And at this point though, I'm starting to like her again, you know, because we've had, we've had some time to build relationship, um, very imperfect relationship, but relationship. So she moves back in and finally hospice is like, we're going to release her because it's been a year and a half and she's still alive. Well, I'm doing the math of how old you're, Youngest is and uh-huh, how many years? Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like she has nine lives. Seriously, so we had taken her to the doctor. And we're like, how is she? And the doctor's like, oh, she'll be fine as long as she's taking her medication. And my husband's like, you're out, girl. Like, woo. <laughs> so he was like, she's out. And so anyway, we tried to move her out somewhere near us so I could take care of her. But she wanted to go to Florida. She had a friend who helped her get to Florida. So she ends up living nine more years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like sober in Florida. Her like place has a pool. Like it's ridiculous. And she was sober till she died. Yes. And here's the thing. So, but I still hadn't seen her. She was still difficult, but it was better. We yeah, made yeah. inroads. I'd learned how to set boundaries. She'd kind of come to drinking. get used to the boundaries. She still had her ridiculous personality, but you know, whatever. Anyway, so it was a May of... I don't know, 2015, I guess. And my husband's like, you really should visit your mom. Like, you haven't seen her in years. You don't know how long she has to live. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's gonna be one of those women who smokes and lives until they're like 100. And he's like, I just think you should visit. And I was like, all right. So I fly down to see her for a couple of days. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. Like, it's good. It's, again, it's not perfect. And at one point, but I can see a change, you know? And at one point, she starts to get on me about something. Like, she does her thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, don't start. And immediately... She did something that she'd never done and she apologized. Wow. My mom has never apologized to me. Like she would say something like, I'm so sorry, like you're so sensitive. I'm really sorry that hurt you. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was always an excuse. Right. Not only did she say she was sorry, but she said, um, the Lord really wants me to tell you that I was not a good mother to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sorry about that. Sarah. I almost fell out of my chair. Yeah. Like what in the actual heck? I was shocked. Did you guys reconcile? We did. We did reconcile. And um, and that was how long before she passed away? That was one year before she one died. One year. And then um, I, I'll never forget, she was begging me to come and see her in April. She'd made this bucket list. And she said, the Lord said, I only have one more year to live. And I was like, mom, whatever. Like, I didn't take her seriously. Mm-hmm. That just hit me. The very irony that I never felt like she took me seriously. You didn't take her seriously. I didn't take her seriously. Yeah. Did she live one more year? I'm going to have a moment. That's never hit me until right now. Anyway, I didn't take her seriously. And she said, I just want to have a seafood feast with you on the beach. And I want to go see the Dolly Museum. And I was like, Dolly Parton? And she was like, no, Dolly, like the artist. And I was like, okay. So we made plans. And she said, I really need you to come in April. I said, I can't come in April, mom. I'm going to be, you know, away in Thailand. And it would just be too much to do another trip. She's like, please. I was like, no, mom, like, we'll go in May. Like, you know, and she's like, okay. I get home from Thailand, sleep for like five days because jet lag. I get a phone call that my mom's in the hospital. Now I've gotten these calls before and I'm like, oh, we've been down this road. She's fine. And they're like, 
she's not fine. You need to come now. I get a ticket out the next day. I get in the hospital. I can hear her yelling, like moaning. And I go into her room and her eyes are just going back and forth. And she's yelling like a dementia patient. She doesn't have dementia, but like she doesn't acknowledge my existence. Um, yeah, I'll save the rest, but just know for the book. But yeah, she knew. The Lord had told her. Jeez. And I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. I can't believe you had that moment just now. Yeah, I totally did. How are you feeling? I'm going to cry later. You can cry later. Yeah. I got a four-hour drive to Dallas. Okay. It's okay. Just cry in the car. Interestingly, after she passed away and I found her journals, I read them immediately. And when I found out how lonely she was, mm. um, I had no idea. I had no idea how lonely she was. That broke my heart because then you can't go back. Yeah. Like, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have called her more. Anyway, I'm driving down the Florida highway after she passed away and I read these journals I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, like bawling my eyes out. Like, why didn't I know how lonely she was? I wish I would have known. I really took it for granted. I didn't Mm. take her seriously. Thought she'd live forever. And a little bit of this is rose-colored glasses. For sure. She was never easy. For sure. Um, But yeah, I wish I would have called more. So I do have a final question for you. Okay. You wrote this book, The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts, about your journey with your mom, which you have mm-hmm. so graciously shared so much of it with us. And yeah. it does sound like a hard journey. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a terrible upbringing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like lots of baggage, lots of wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your hope for this book? Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest thing is <clears throat> I just want people to know that there is always hope that God is with us, even in our deepest, darkest pits, even when we don't see him, he's there. And that there are ways to get through it and to love even when it hurts. Like you can be okay, even in the midst of some unmet needs. But honestly, like God is gonna meet so many of those needs and he still answers impossible prayers. And it doesn't mean he ties up everything with a perfect bow, but it does mean that he will change you and he will teach you how to go forward and you can be free. Like dysfunction does not have to be your legacy. Like there is always victory available. I love it. Sarah, thanks for sharing all that with us. Thank you so much, Jamie, for making me cry jerk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do have to ask you these questions. Okay. I always ask people three I things know, they're loving okay. and what you're reading. So what do you got for us? Okay. So I haven't been able to read a lot because I'm in launch season, but I do have a guilty indulgence. I started reading the book Outlander, which is a fiction. I'm not recommending it because it's a little saucy and I don't know if I'll keep reading it, but it is pretty good. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Yeah, I like saucy. I like saucy. (laughs) What are you loving? Um, I am loving my two dogs. We just got a puppy. So it's crazy and chaotic. And at the same time, like, I just love it. I love her. Oh, oh, I know what else I'm loving. I have to tell you this. This is so hilarious. It's called Ting- Tingle Razor. This sounds inappropriate. <laughs> this sounds like you read this it's in Outlander. totally not. It's totally not. I've been shaving my face, y'all. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like my new obsession. I sit in bed at night and I like shave my face. My husband's like, dear God, what are you doing? This is hilarious. It is amazing. It is so satisfying. You have no idea. Do I, have, I will do never, you have a Tingle Razor? I will never nair again. I know, but do you have a Tingle one? Oh, so you have it. I used to nair, you know? So Landon Hutchinson was on the show and she talked uh-huh. about shaving her face. Uh-huh. And then Lindsay brought me a razor and I shaved <laughs> my face with her. I do just like the mustache on my chin, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. So you satisfying. can shave all over. I mean, yeah, it no, like I know skin, you can. It exfoliates. Yeah. I literally yeah. keep one with me everywhere, everywhere. I have serious? one upstairs, downstairs, in my bathrooms. Oh, like in my purse right now, I have one. I will show you. I mean, I just, oh, it's so, it's so satisfying. And then there's nothing. Oh, it's so great. I get my lip waxed. I can't. I break out. My skin is so sensitive. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I can't do waxing. That's why I, I was doing Nair. Like, I was doing all of the, like, creams. But then, you know, like, hair grows back, and then you have to pluck that stray chin hair. Yeah, yeah. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. And um, now I just shave every day. I love it. <laughs> and I love it. I love that more than my dogs. <gasps> I don't mean your face. that. What are your dogs' satisfying. names? Presley and Memphis. Okay, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Um. Sarah May, thank you so much. You didn't ask me if I wanted to be famous or rich. Oh, do you want to be famous or rich? Rich. Why? Because I want to put braces on my kids. That's why? Yeah. I want to be able to have the money to like come see your um, happy hour live. And I want to be able to put braces on my kids and maybe send them to college. 
What would your husband say? Famous Ooh, or rich? Rich or famous? I don't know. You should ask him when you get Ooh, home. Ooh, I think famous. He's a woodworker mm-hmm. and um, I think it would be famous. Dang. It's interesting. I um, I think that's such an interesting conversation. I know yours is famous. Yeah, because there's no right or wrong. Yeah. It's almost like, what's the motivation of your heart? You know, do you want to be... Braces are the motivation no, of my I heart. No, but I mean like <laughs> to be known. Yeah, right, right. Or, you know... I don't want like a mansion. Like when I say rich, I just want to be able to like, there are so many times, you probably relate with this, where like, for example, a new mom, right? Who's drowning in motherhood. I want to be able to buy her like a year of maid service. Like I just want to be able to uh, do that. Be that. Awesome. You know what I mean? Like here, here, man, like don't stress. I, I mean, you're going to be stressed, but like, yeah, don't worry about your dishes. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. When we add, when our fourth kid came home is when I was like, I'm going to need someone to help me clean the house. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. when I started working, I was like, yeah. So yep. anyhow, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Yep. Uh, the Complicated Heart, it actually comes out next week, yep. um, September 17th. In fact, um, I, I do this often talk about pre-orders because just yeah. for my listeners to know, pre-orders you know. actually really help an author. Super help. They help retailers know how many books to order, all those kind of things. So yeah. when they order your book, mm-hmm. they get the audio for free. So here's the cool thing. You get the lowest price. You're going to get the book on the day it launches usually. And you get the audiobook for free that is read by me. You have a so, great reading voice, so thank you. <gasps> thank you. Yeah. So do do go pre-order. So if you pre-order it, go to Amazon, wherever books are yeah, sold. Yeah, you pre-order. can go to the complicatedheart.com for information on everything. The complicatedheart.com. Love it. Thanks. Don't we all have a complicated heart? Yeah, we totally all do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All, all right. Of us. Sarah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay, you guys, The Complicated Heart comes out next week, and it is truly a beautiful story. You heard a lot of her story today. There is so much more in the book that we could not talk about today. And go get the book. It's beautiful. Her storytelling pulls you in from the very beginning. You can pre-order that book right now wherever books are sold. I appreciate Sarah May's honesty and willingness to share her story with me. And the reminder that when we are in the pit, God is with us, even when we don't see Him. This is something that many of my friends have shared with me on the other side of trauma in their lives. And it's always encouraging and a reminder to my own heart and the difficulties that I may be facing. And I hope that you were reminded of that as well. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slackers and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's an internal medicine physician who saw firsthand the need for rest to take a priority in the lives of her patients and in her own life. You guys, this conversation was mighty good for me. And I know that you're going to relate to it as well. You guys enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you guys back here next week with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Dalton-Smith.